christening a new recording studio. Welcome to Hand of Pop. Mitzvah to or whatever. Um, welcome to episode 267 of the Internet's Best English Language Argentine Football Podcast, ladies and gents. I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined, or rather I am joining because we're in his brand new living room by English Down. Hello and welcome Sam and welcome to our listeners too. And congratulations on being the podcast's newest homeowner, Dom. Indeed, yeah, it's been fun. I must admit that Sorting out the move over the weekend meant I didn't actually get to watch much football, so possibly the best contribution I can make this week is a quiet place to record, which yeah. is no little thing, we must say. No, absolutely. It's, it's greatly appreciated, and we will see how much we both end up talking about, because I didn't catch quite as much of the football as I was hoping to myself. But anyway, what I do have are the scores, at least from the 14 Superliga games that took place over the weekend, and those are as follows. Union 2, Olimpo 0 in Santa Fe. Defensive Justicia nil, Huracan nil, and Atletico Tucumán nil, Belgrano nil, all on Friday evening. On Saturday, San Lorenzo and Colón drew nil nil in Bajo Flores. Tempele lost 3 nil at home to Estudiantes. Um, Gimnasia lost 3 1 at home to Lanús. Argentinos Juniors became the second team of the weekend um, to get a home win in the 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7th match of the weekend. Uh, beating Racing 2-0, so don't have a lot to say about that in a minute. Mm. Um, Tacheres got a home win against Patronato in Córdoba. San Martín de San Juan beat Rosario Central 3-1 in San Juan. Independiente beat Belezarsfield 1-0 in Avellaneda. Boca Juniors beat Chacarita Juniors 1-0 in La Boca. Tigre and River Plate drew 1-1 in Victoria. Banfield lost 2-1 after being 1-0 up at home at half-time to Arsenal de Sarandí, uh, Newell's Old Boys and Godoy Cruz played out a 0-0 draw in the weekend's, in inverted commas, last match on Monday night. Um, Dan, why don't we start by just asking you what you did catch? I'm assuming that you saw Argentinos against Racing. Unfortunately, I did, yes. I wish I hadn't. I wish I'd you know, spent it putting some books up or cleaning the toilet or something like that, but, you know... Sometimes you just make the wrong decisions in life and mine was sitting down for two hours to watch possibly the worst racing performance I've seen in in a good three years, definitely since the since the title and probably a fair bit before that. Mm. It's hard to explain, it wasn't just they played badly, they they just didn't play at all. Uh, there was no invention, no precision, no ideas, no just nothing really. It was it was nothingness personified in a in a football game from Racing's point of view. Part of that is uh, it's fair to say merit for Argentinos, who played a very good pressing game, very fast paced, um, and just squeezed the life out of Racing really from from midfield up. 
I'm guessing you didn't see the game, right? So you... I, I did watch um, a fair bit of it. So I, can't, ah, I, can't, I didn't catch all of it, but I saw a fair bit, yeah. Yeah. And no, I was impressed with Argentina's, you know, taking into account uh, Racing's own uh, pretty terrible deficiencies. They, they play very well. I wonder if this game is not going to be a, a turning point for them after a fairly mixed start to the season. You well, already had the, a decent result against River, right? Indeed, yeah, well. and, and I was just going to say that um, obviously you weren't at last week's recording, but I, I sort of felt a bit vindicated watching them against Racing because mm-hmm. they, they got a 1 1 draw, uh, as some listeners, well, many listeners I'm assuming, will be able to remember from the previous week. Um, if our listeners don't remember, what well, hope do we have to yeah. be honest? And um, I, I said on last week's episode that, that I thought that Argentinos were enjoying the. Uh, sort of playing a team who were coming out to attack them and who were giving them space at the back as well because River made the uh, slightly, well, what turned out to be a, a, a slightly poor decision uh, to continue with three at the back, which had done very well against Jorge Wilstermann, but against Arcadinos meant that their wingers had a lot of space to run into um, where the fullbacks were not because there weren't any fullbacks, as it were. Um, and in, in a similar way, I think it's, you know, it's probably not a coincidence that the best two performances Arcadinos have put in so far have been against two of the big clubs. No, no, definitely. Um, clubs who, I mean, as you say, Racing, it, it's difficult to sort of give precisely the same reasons for it because Racing were not as going out and looking for the game as River had been. No, Racing was a performance, but they did give them space and Argentinos yeah. clearly enjoyed having space to play into. Well, exactly, yeah. As I said, it wasn't a defensive performance or, or an attacking performance. Mm. It was... Literally a nothing performance. And, yeah. and that played right into Argentinos' hands. You could have said, you know, the goals both came late and both with um, with a big contribution from Pisco. Leonardo Piscolici who came on off the bench and pretty much and, you know, injected something into the game which had been lacking um, for 80 of the 90 minutes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, set up the first goal for Mauro Quiroga, I believe. And then hit the second himself with a really nice uh, long-range free kick, which bounced just before it reached uh, the Racing keeper Gomez and, and caught him right up. Uh, yeah, I've forgotten, actually, the goals were both so late. Quiroga's was is in the 88th minute and Piscolici's was, was 90 first second, or second. Yeah, of, of yeah the game was already over by then. But, yeah, but yeah he, it's not a bad sub to have on the bench either. I don't think Piscolici, I'm sure he'd be the first to admit as well, he can, I don't think he'd be able to do 90 minutes at the moment mm. maybe not even 30 but for 10 he's not a bad player at all to, no. to run the bench and he, he transformed the game definitely the question for Racing now is where they go from here I believe now they've they've gone four matches without scoring which is pretty bad and not just without scoring pretty much without having a chance to be to be honest and why I mean you know during Cocker's first spell in charge uh, Racing were playing some of the best football in the country and, and won the league mm. um, and in the first half of and, you know, this year as well they were positive they were basically. attacking as you yeah. say the first half of this year as well what's happened now that that, well, that seems to have gone off the rails somewhat well you have to take into account the players that have left uh, Racing lost Marcos Acuña and Gustavo Wall as well as uh, Luciano Oved who the first two were amongst the best players in the Primera for the last three years and the latter of that of that trio, you couldn't say he's among the best players, but he definitely sort of gave Racing a structure in midfield, and he knew what he was doing. Hmm. Um, what you had on 
on Saturday with against Argentinas was uh, was kind of a double five pairing. Um, El Pulpo Gonzalez and Darevolo Rios, which was solid enough, but didn't really give anything going forward. You had four defenders who just seemed to have no idea how to get the ball up past the halfway line. And two quality strikers in Licha Lopez and Triverio who didn't have the ball, and when they did have the ball, did nothing with it. And that's pretty much a pattern that we've seen. I think the first game of that run was a... 2-0 or 1-0 defeat to Temperley. Then obviously the, uh, there was a 0-0 draw with Corinthians, which was fine because that got us into the, um, the quarters of the Sudamericana. Then a 0-0 draw against San Martín, which wasn't fine. But at least the team showed a bit more a bit more oomph than against Argentinos. It's definitely worrying. The good news for Racing is now they have two weeks to kind of regroup. Yeah. I believe when those two weeks are up, uh, Lautaro Martínez is going to be back which is a big, big plus for Racing. He's the guy who, in the first half of this year, was almost a team alongside Leicher mm. uh, with his goals. And he's been out for three months, almost four, with a, with a metatarsal break. When he's back, he won't. It doesn't look like he's going to be staying long, but if he can kind of galvanise the team for the rest of the year at least, they need him because at the moment it's, it's not looking good. No, indeed. Um, what else did you catch? I caught almost nothing else. Excellent. <laughs> in that case... Have a talk. You can talk about River if you like. That seemed like okay. quite an entertaining R- game. River were once again um, disappointing. You know, Argentinos mm-hmm. did well to get the draw the previous weekend, but River fed into it themselves, as I said, with their own mistakes. Uh, and it was a very similar story, really, against mm. Tigre. It was, as you quite rightly say, Dan, a really entertaining match to watch. Uh, it was end to end. It was uh, entertaining as much as anything down to both teams' faults, mm-hmm. and also to an extent down to refereeing faults. Uh, the goals um, came from a Gonzalo Martinez penalty fairly early on for River Plate in the middle of the first half, and then Tigre got an equaliser through Lucas Hanson um, about ten minutes before half time. Mm-hmm. By that point, however, there had been. One other penalty awarded for Tigre just a couple of minutes after Rivers um, was was given. Um, both of the penalties awarded, incidentally, were correctly awarded. There wasn't much controversy over either of them. Um, and saved by Heraman Lux from Denis Strakulorsi. And then two other penalties, also one for each side, not awarded. Both of which I think... I'm, I'm struggling to remember the incidents now, but I think I'm right in saying that both of them should have been given. Um, so a very, very... Sort of mixed uh, evening. I was just looking at those statistics you've flagged up. Seventy-three percent possession for yeah. River. Jeez. Seagro did really well on the counter because <laughs> they must fact, have done. If you look, I think I'm pretty sure. I'm only remembering from my own impression of watching the game. But if we look at the shots tally, it's not going to be quite that one-sided. Yes, I mean. River had two thirds of the shots rather than three quarters of them. Mm. Um, but Tigre did did really well and created. A fair few chances and crucially had as many shots on target as River did even though River had 11 shots to Tigres 5 overall um, so why is um, this massive amount of possession for a River not not translating into results necessarily I think that they have lost their way a little bit in terms of as much as anything the, the forwards um, 
Ignacio Gokko had a, a superb evening against Tolkien Winston a week and a half ago, two weeks ago nearly in fact, um, as we discussed last week with Andres on the podcast. Um, but alongside him, there isn't anybody. Carlos Alski has now been at River for, for just long enough, I think it's fair to say, that we're now past the, the point where we're saying, right, once he gets used to it, because we saw he was good at Estudiantes, once he gets used to it, he's going to be a decent player for River. It's safe he's to write not off. going to be a decent player for River. Masula Rondo also is not good enough, and he's also just constantly injured. Mm-hmm. Rodrigo Mora has been injured since... I can't even remember when. Apparently he's due back quite... No, he's out for the rest of the year, isn't he? He's um, come back to training, I know, but yeah. I don't think he's due back anytime soon. And uh, and the young Colombian, uh, Rafael Santos Borre, who's on loan from Atletico de Madrid, has so far flattered to deceive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that River's problem, basically, is that when Skoko isn't having a great day... Um, there isn't really anybody else who is able to finish the chances that, that come along. And that is you know, resulting in, in loads of possession, loads of, of shots, loads of attempts, a fair few decent chances, and yet nobody's sticking them away. Um, and it is costing them. You know, we, this is why we spent the first half of last year, particularly after the group stages of the Libertadores had finished, whenever anybody asked us who, who's going to be favourites for the Libertadores, you know, I would, my response was always, well... If they can keep the team together, then River, I think, would be favourites as long as they can keep hold of at least one of Lucas Alario and Sebastian Riusi. So having lost both of them and having lost uh, Alario too late in the transfer window to be able... Well, in fact, after the, the Argentine transfer window had, had closed, so they couldn't replace him. Um, and in particular, they can't even replace him in the Libertadores for a player, you know, obviously, who hasn't... Right. If, if they're going to replace him, it has to be with somebody who's not cup-tied. And Gasharlo doesn't consider any of the the, the options to uh, to be good enough for River. Who would those options be? <sighs> I can't interest. remember the names that were mentioned now. No one um, particularly spectacular, I guess. But no, precisely. And, and so I, I think you know I, I sort of read this that, that he, he doesn't consider any of them good enough. So therefore, they're not going to bother signing somebody just for a couple of months. And I, I thought, yeah, no, no that, yeah. that's fair enough. Um, I agree, they're going to try to hang on till January and then sign a quality replacement for next year. Well, um, if you're only going to focus on, the, um, on their Libertadores, it can pay off, because obviously yeah. cup football's a lot different. You're only scoring one or two goals a game in, in cup football, but that can be enough to, to take you to the, to the title. In Absolutely. league football, it's, it's a lot different. You need consistency, you need people who are scoring 20 a season, 25 a season. You basically need a, a Benedetto. Precisely, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think I don't see much of an end in sight to Rivers' um, problems unless Ikoko suddenly catches fire and starts scoring one or two in every single match. Um, and he's another Worcester run to come along to get his confidence back up again. Yes, possibly. <laughs> I mean, the other thing is, obviously, they're still, you know, they're better than most of the other teams in the league. And oh, so yeah. they're going to win more games than they lose. Um, it's not but that doesn't necessarily mean they don't that they don't have problems and if, if they want to um, put together a league title campaign a challenge as well then they're going to need to try and hang in there until January and then sign somebody decent for the next Libertadores campaign mm-hmm. and for the second half of the league campaign um, other big results elsewhere Boca Juniors against Chacarita 
Um, Second was, Genius Derby of the Year, was it? It was the first, because Argentinos Chacarita hasn't been played yet. Oh, did they never play that? No, it um, was postponed, though, because they, they... I know it was games. postponed, but I thought they must have played it. No, the Benacional season went on for so long they, that they postponed it, and it's not been... Um, Until further notice. Played yet. Um, so, Boca Chacarita turned out to be a much more interesting match than it appeared that it was going to be after a few minutes, because Christian Pavon put Boca 1-0 up less than three, just under three minutes in, um, after Chacarita had lost the ball in midfield, Boca, with a, an incisive move, this, apologies for that phone ringing, uh, Boca, with an incisive move, um, disorder they've been producing on a regular basis uh, so far this season, and, and Pavon with a very cool finish past um, the goalkeeper, whose name I've forgotten, <laughs> should have brought the stats up first, shouldn't I, before starting my monologue there, um, past get it to you in a minute I mentioned his name several times on Twitter during the game as well Pedro Fernandes um, to put them one nil up and at that point you were thinking blimey with that sort of stupid loss of the ball in midfield and that kind of chaotic attempt to um, to win it back this is going to get ugly this is going to be Boca sticking four or five past the team again and it wasn't Chacarita gave it a good go after that they were still second best they had some serious problems actually creating chances they were helped by Boca had... going down to 10 men early as well of course yes they were um, Edwin Cardona yes well done he, he got sent off we, we've been talking a fair bit about how Cardona still has to uh, put in a really decent performance in a Boca shirt and he still hasn't done because you're quite right he got sent off after uh, 16 15 minutes um, there's a, so, a double booking I think as well it was which is yeah. even more impressive yeah yeah he, he went into somebody from behind um, and uh, yeah so Chacarita dominated possession in the game they couldn't really create very much um, in the way of actual opportunities but they also managed to hold Boca largely at arm's length mm. and Fernandes in goal atoned for that early sort of I wouldn't say error on, as such on his part but an early could have done much better mm. there sort of incident um, with a couple of really good saves one from Dario Benedetto um, um, one from I think it was from, from Pavon again later on um, it was also helped then you know it was Boca were helped to, to close the game out by the fact that Miguel Mechado the uh, Chacarita number 5 got himself sent off yeah. um, fairly early in the second half I think that must have been about the what was it 8th minute of the second half um, but yeah that means that Boca maintain maximum points so they're now 15 points from possible 15 they're still top of the league obviously um, and who's second now Sam currently Just, second a restaurant. in the league reference are I think I'm right in saying because we can't get this to load um, Union de Santa Fe I believe Union is that de right? Santa Fe does that sound right to you? no it's River still River. sorry River but only on goals scored ahead of Union um, River, Union and Tacheres Tacheres in 4th on 10 points so River and Union both have 11 mm-hmm. uh, Tacheres have 10 Banfield and Colón and San Lorenzo and Patronato and Lanús all have 9 uh, so that's the top 9 in the table um, and yeah I mean Union have, have done excellently again they've had a relatively kind fixture list early on in the season um, but 2-0 win over Olimpo mm. professional job done and these are the kind of games they need to be winning in order to maintain their fairly healthy position if I remember rightly um, in the relegation table where they're 17th or rather four teams from the 28th 
go down. So 25th, 26th, 27th, 28th, we'll, we'll be getting relegated. Um, and Nyon, with 11 points at the beginning of this season, uh, have already made a very comfortable start. In fact, they're the only team in the bottom 20 of the relegation table to be into double points for the season so far. Um, so, you know, if, if they keep going this way, as I say, they haven't really played, um, I don't think, anybody particularly hard so far. Their, their res- results so far have been 1-1 uh, away to Newells, who got off to a fairly slow start in the season. 1-0 um, at home to Gimnasia. And then it was, where are they there? 3-1 win away to Defensivicia, a 0-0 draw away to Huracan, and now this 2-0 win at home to Olimpo. So they're going to have harder fixtures to come, but if they can keep beating teams like this, who are going to be their rivals and, and teams in, in mid-table, um, then Union should be well and truly safe, I would think, probably by Christmas. Yeah, you think so. Going back to Boca for a second, because I think that games like this against Chacarita probably... Go a bit further to explain why Boca are at the top and have been for the best part of of the last eighteen months, um, more than when they win four 0 or five 0 Because at the moment, and I think almost invariably since Barrasic Pilotas taken over, they don't lose or draw the in poor performances. They they can play well, sometimes better than than others, but. Even when they're not at their best or they're struggling, they, they just grind out the points. Mm. And that's something not a lot of teams do in Argentina. They tend to win when they're playing very well. I mean, I'm taking Racing, for example, who find it very difficult to win when they're not playing, playing well. And I think River, to a lesser extent, have, um, have a little bit of that. But Boca have that knack of getting the goal early and then tightening up. If more goals come, more goals come. But you kind of know that even if they're not going to run away and win four or five nil, they're not going to concede either. And mm-hmm. and I think that goes a long way to to explaining why they've been so dominant over the, the last twelve months. I mean, obviously they have a squad depth which is which is far and away greater than any team almost in South America, I think. But tactically as well, it's it's very hard to fault them at the moment. Yeah, and also they've, they've not had midweek distractions in the way of the, the Continental Cups That's so true. far this That's year, true. which is something that uh, a lot of their rivals have had, obviously. Um, it's similar to Chelsea last season in, in those respects in England, I guess. Well, they um, have even less midweek commitments now. As indeed, was, yeah, because they're not... I don't know if you covered it on the last podcast. We did not, because um, it happened just after we, we recorded, uh, so I did mention the results afterwards, but you're quite right, thank you for reminding us. Um, that the, the Clásico de la Copa Argentina, as uh, the media painted, between Boca Juniors and Rosario Central, ending 1-0 to Central um, with a goal from... Can you remember who scored it? It wasn't Ruben, was it? No, it wasn't. No. It was one of the midfielders, I think. Oh, God, I can't remember. Um, anyway, I remember the goal was Central. a close-range header from a looping free kick. Yeah. Um, someone from Central scored anyway at some point in that match and uh, Boca lost and it was a deserved defeat because actually almost the exception that proves the rule Boca played quite poorly and yeah. lost um, <laughs> and so yes they are going to have fewer, even fewer midweek distractions than they would have had for the rest of the year because obviously we're, we're already into well this week's match is around 16 games now aren't they mm-hmm. so the quarterfinals are coming up soon um, in the Copa Argentina 
Um, elsewhere in the league, though, the week just gone, we've covered River, we've covered Boca, we've covered Racing, so let's go continue on the Big Five theme and talk about Independiente. We've got a 1-0 win over Vélez Sarsfield. I'm guessing that you didn't bother watching this one at all, Dan. Uh, I wouldn't say it's because I didn't bother. Was that Sunday? It was. On Sunday, I had the choice of internet or tele because I hadn't got an adapter for, for this new internet. And since I was working, I had to use the internet. So I watched absolutely nothing, but for purely uh, practical reasons. I see. Maxi Mesa um, scored with a header from a corner for Independiente <laughs> quite early in the second half. Um, and by and large, I think that Independiente deserved it, really. They hit the woodwork a couple of times. Um, they had far more shots. They had far more... Um, well, marginally more possession um, and far more decent attacks. Uh, they were only playing Venice. But the point that, that Andres and I were making last week as well was that really this is where we you know, start to find out how decent Venice actually are after, a, you know, results-wise, a fairly decent beginning to the season, but not really against anybody. Um, and the answer is possibly not that good because Independiente have proven themselves this season to be a team who need about five chances to score one goal. Um, and that gives you an idea of how much Venice gave them in the game. Yeah, Independiente were coming off, I think, two straight defeats, right? Yeah. But as far as um, I'm aware, two very narrow defeats where they probably deserve to, to take something from it. Uh, games where they squandered loads of chances, were on top, but just couldn't convert. Mm. And you can see, yeah, again... Uh, they had lots of chances against Vélez, only put one away, and on another day, that result can be different. But it's definitely a win they needed, and something they can build on. Obviously, they lose a bit of the momentum now because we'll have the um, we'll have the two week recess. Um, but yeah, definitely a win to calm some nerves in Independiente. Uh, there was another I mean, the interesting side good. point to that to that game. Mm. I don't know if you saw. The banner. Oh, yes. Tell us about this. It gives you an opportunity to talk about the match. <laughs> well, a group of Independiente fans of unknown affiliation, let's say, <laughs> um, held up in the Independiente stands a banner which said uh, Basta de Afana, which basically means um, stop robbing, but Afano, if you take the first three letters of Afano, that spells AFA, which is the Argentine Football Association, and that um, was the banner in question. Putting, yeah, yeah uh, putting, uh, you know, evidently bigger letters to make a point. Mm. Someone didn't like this it and sent the, well, the police the into the stadium to take it out. The fourth official apparently was the one who saw it and told the police about it. Yeah, that, that, yeah, was, yeah, that um, was not the official report afterwards. So. I'm sure, I'm sure. Yeah, that radio piece on the fourth official's head, I'm sure it was buzzing through the game. Is it, obviously, asking a Racing <coughs> fan this question is just, I know what you're going to say, but uh, rhetorically speaking, um, is it a bit rich for fans of Independiente, whose president is a vice president of AFA, uh, is the current president of AFA's father-in-law, who's the former, former, former president of AFA, who's the man whose name shall not be spoken um, was you know, a lifelong fan of Independiente is it a bit rich for them to complain about AFA decisions going against them? It's a little bit rich isn't it you must admit but it's also a sign of kind of 
how little legitimacy this AFAM regime has at the moment. Because if even the Independiente fans and Independiente are pretty much as loyal as you get to, to AFA and they have been over the years, if even they are, are kind of questioning you and, and rebelling, it's, you got to think that something's not really right. It's also a sign of how willing Argentine football fans are to believe in conspiracy theories, though. This is true. And, as yeah. indeed is the fact that we're asking this question. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, you know, that we'll hold our hands up. So um, there, there are things to be learned on all sides of this story. Um, the other remaining member of the Big Five who we've not mentioned yet are San Lorenzo, who got a nil-nil draw mm. with Colón on Saturday. Still coachless, San Lorenzo. They are apparently interested now in... Um, Last week it was Gabriel Pinsa, right? yeah. and this week I saw another <laughs> name mentioned just today. Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember the name I saw mentioned <laughs> on, on Tay Safe, funnily enough, which we've got on muted now. Um, but yes, they are. As reliable a source as that is, of course. Yes, indeed. Um, but yeah, not very much appears to have happened, really. No, the... it looks like typical San Lorenzo spluttering and, and splurt into another pretty. Underwhelming result. Yeah, a few chances wasted. Mariano, um, our tamed San Lorenzo fan, um, tamed. Mm. Has, has said a couple of times mm. now and, uh, at the weekend during the Racing game against Argentinos, he tweeted that Fox and Turner um, should be paying us 300 pesos a week to watch San Lorenzo's and Racing's matches. Yeah, I'd be happy with that. So would I. And I don't even support it at all. Um, I'd be delighted. Anyway, away from the Big Five, the main results were Estudiantes 3-0 win over Tempele, which was commanding, but also, of course, um, was Estudiantes' new managers, whose name I've forgotten now, Lucas Bernardi's first mm. match in charge. Um, so that indicates something of a, a, a rapid improvement for them. OK, it's only against Tempele who are going to be one of the favourites for relegation this season. Tempele v Racing. <laughs> so, draw your own conclusion. There we go. Um, but it's also, you know, given the, the situation that Estudiantes were in uh, beforehand and, and given the way that they have been playing and, and particularly finishing their chances, um, it, it suggests that some confidence has come back into the team, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, they also did it with, in spite of Temple completely dominating possession, they, they hit them very effectively on the counter attack. Um, elsewhere, Lanús got a 3-1 win over Gimnasia La Plata with goals from... Come on, please load. Uh, Pepe San Hattrick. Oh, it was, wasn't it? I saw in the news, yeah. Yes, forgot about that. How can he still be going? Come on. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, Gimnasia started quite poorly by um, deciding just to not mark him from a set piece so they, they continued the first goal after about he's not the hardest guy to mark come on no, and you would think he doesn't move you would think it, it should have been fairly easy as well to sort of go oh this guy's you know one of the best strikers in the league Yeah, he's also huge and can't it, move stick him very fast yeah. free kick, um, and completed his hat-trick with a penalty uh, after scoring very 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 early in the second half as well at like seconds into the second half um I can't so, remember if that was a milestone of some sort for Pepe. Oh, right? it is. He seems to get sorry, milestones one, every 100 week. 100 goals for Lanús. 100 goals for Lanús. Thank you, yes. Yeah. I'd completely forgotten about that, but well done. Um, I couldn't remember the exact milestone. I was just watching this crap and it came up. So, I mean, you know, milestone goal for Pepe Sam. Hmm. 
Uh, the other result which really jumped out at us when I was going through them, and unfortunately I caught almost none of this game, I, I caught the first couple of minutes of the second half, remarked that Banfield were 1-0 up, and thought, well, yeah, I had a mate coming around for a curry last night, so I thought I've got to go into the kitchen now anyway and start preparing that. So I did so, and when I came back out of the kitchen, um, Arsenal were leading 2-1 with about 30 seconds to play, and I thought, what has happened here? And unfortunately, listeners, I we don't know you. The really bizarre thing as well is that Arsenal had a man sent off in the first half. So they managed to come back from 1-0 down against one of the best teams in the league and one of the form teams of the year so far mm. in Banfield. Um, in spite of the fact that one of their centre-forwards had been sent off after about 25 minutes, uh, Rodrigo Contreras. Um, I don't know how that happens when you're Arsenal this R&D, but Arsenal therefore no longer have one of the two 100% records in the Superliga they have no longer lost all of their matches, Yay. which means that the only 100% record left in the Superliga is Boca Juniors, of course, who have won all of theirs. So well done, Arsenal. You're probably still going to be relegated. And sorted out Banfield by the sounds of it. And yeah, Banfield, just what happened? You know, pick what yourselves happened? up quickly. Because um, that's a remarkable result in all sorts of ways. Um, I think that when I'm going to take a break and refill our glasses... And when we come back, we will discuss, or preview, Argentina's matches upcoming in the World Cup qualifiers uh, against Peru and Ecuador. Don't go away. Argentina are playing Peru on Thursday night and then taking a plane to Quito where they will take on Ecuador in their last two World Cup qualifiers. Um, they must win. Or at least they were. The Peru one is definitely must win. If they win the Peru one, um, then they would need, I think it's three different results to go against them as well as their own result uh, on Tuesday. Yeah, you'd say a win and a draw should be enough, right? Yeah. A win and a draw should be. If I think a win and a draw would be. Mm-hmm. Um, they need four points. Um, a draw and a draw possibly only good enough for a playoff. A defeat well, probably not, catastrophic. I think with a, a draw to Peru would also give Peru more chances as well. Obviously, that's so, true. That's true. Um, <sighs> normally, you know, we, we'd be being bullish about Argentina's chances on, on, on this point, but. Uh, We've done that several times during this yeah. World Cup qualifying campaign and it's come back to bite us on the arse. So, <laughs> we're not going to be this time around. Um, no, moved, we really don't know what's going to happen, to be fair. They've moved to La Bombonera for mm-hmm. reasons that, um, depending on, on which papers you read and whatnot, may or may not have to do with, with the AFA um, and what uh, Dan was mentioning and, and the AFA's corruption and stuff. There have been lots of stories in the last couple of days about the amount of money that Boca Juniors Barra Brava are going to be making because they've been given yes. 4,000 tickets 10 um, million pesos resell as a conservative estimate from the ticket sales alone plus another yeah. million and a half or so from parking around the stadiums and stuff the thing that I'm slightly dubious about spending too much time on that particular discussion for is that I have not seen any discussion about how much money Los Borrachos del Tablon Rivers Barra Brava normally make <laughs> when the games are at River 
I am assuming um, that they are not innocent and that they're not out of pocket when we're No, I'm sure they don't do badly out of it. Yeah. In spite of the fact that it's not normally mentioned, suddenly it's a big story because the game is being played at La Monera. And because and and talking Angelisi, about of course. Indeed, and because of Angelisi. Um, the other thing, however, the, the sort of flip side of that, so not wanting to give too much uh, credence to some of the... Ne- well, sorry, I give it complete credence. I'm sure that it's exactly what's happening. Just For the sake of balance, we don't normally talk about Los Borrachos doing it because there aren't normally reports, so let's not waste too much time talking about Ladosse doing it. At the same time, at half-time at the Boca game on TV and at full-time at the Boca game, and there's been lots and lots and lots of stories since about how on the second that the Boca game ended, uh, the... the, the pitch people were straight out on the pitch taking care of it as well as they could <laughs> to get it in the best conditions for San Paoli's team and you're like well yeah I mean the guys at River probably do that as well all the time yeah. in fact they do because I've been to River games right before an international break before um, and yet you never go on about it when that happens there so why suddenly get all excited about it a difference I mean of course you know every stadium around the world is going to host an international match you want the pitch to be in decent condition completely I think the minimum we can say about this is win lose or draw it's not going to be down to the stadium. It's going no. to be down to how Argentina play and uh, against a very good and, and very informed Peru team. Indeed. Yeah. Um, Ricardo and Gareca has, is not taking any chances. Peru are bringing their own water supply with them. That's very, many other things. Um, very smart. And they're going to be well supported. Uh, there, there, oh, was, yeah. there was a banderazo yesterday around Plaza Viserere here in Buenos Aires um, of Peru fans uh, Supporting their team, who haven't actually got to Buenos Aires yet. I think they're flying in tomorrow. Um, but all the same, the fans were out showing their support. Um, yeah. Football speaking, I have four possible, four count and four possible teams for Thursday. These are all Which based are, on today's training sessions. On today's right? training sessions, yes. Yeah, Paulo has been a busy bee. I think today was the first day he's had all of his troops together, right? Because Messi got in this morning, possibly. I think they all night. arrived yesterday, but not everybody yeah. trained yesterday. Yes. So this is what we got. The first team that came out, try and keep up, uh, Sergio Romero in goal, nice prizes there. A uh, back three of Mercado, Facio and Otamendi. Uh, midfield four of Bilia, Banega, Enzo Perez and Lionel Messi. Up front, Salvio Origoni. Icardi and Di Maria. That midfield four would be in a diamond. Um, yeah, you think Messi so. Messi sort of in behind yeah. the forward, so almost a 4-3-1-3 four, four, three, four, three, three almost. But, um, yes. Yeah, yes. Rather, rather than Messi out on the left wing is what I'm saying. So it's not a flat 4-4-2. Four, four, no, right. I'd imagine that. The second team going to uh, back four this time. Romero, Mercado, Machirano, Otamendi and Marcos Acuna on the left. Uh, midfield of Bilia, uh, Banega as a double double pivot, Di Maria, Messi and Papu Gomez, and Benedetto as a sole centre forward. So that's almost a 4-3-2-1 slash 4-3-3, possibly, yeah, and possibly with, it's a 4-3-3 with Di Maria, yeah. Messi and Benedetto up front. The third team, uh, Romero. The back four stand the same, Mercado Tamendi, Macherano, Acuna, uh, Enzo Perez and Gago this time, and Fernando Gago acting as the double pivot. Rigoni and Di Maria as kind of advanced Brazilian style creative midfielder wingers. 
Messi and Benedetto up front. And the fourth team, same goalkeeper in defence as before. And in the middle, Gago, Bilia, Banega, Di Maria, Messi, Benedetto. It is worth remembering that we are recording this week on Tuesday rather than Wednesday. So these training sessions are all more than 48 hours before the match. Yes. Having said that... Any of those teams seem more, more likely to you? They all... Obviously, well, okay, so they, they all include Sergio Romero at goal. And none of them have Dybala. None of them have got Dybala, which I don't have any real problem with because mm-hmm. I don't think that Dybala has looked very good for Argentina in any of the matches that he's played for no. Argentina so far. This is true. Um, they all... All of the back four ones, at least I can't remember the first one... Um, uh, Fasio, had... Mercado and Otamendi as a back three yes no sorry I was, I'm just differentiating the formations by saying the ones with the back four uh, all had Benedetto up front mm-hmm. which after the admittedly not very long that he had in the last match I'm not too I mean you're placing a lot of stock on somebody who looked very very nervous in his previous game yes um, suddenly looking completely at home okay it's in his club stadium <laughs> but you know for lots of other reasons he might not be quite as Confident, um, and is Lautaro? Uh, sorry, Acosta. Um, Lautaro Acosta. Acuna, Acuna, Marcos Acuna. Yeah. Is, is Marcos Acuna a left back? He, why, why is that happening? He started at left back in Ferro when okay. he was a kid. Uh, ever since he's gone to Racing, he's played in a more advanced role. Um, I'm guessing the idea there is uh, San Paoli wants. Uh, two fullbacks who are very happy at going forward, mm. but can also sort of mark, which would explain uh, Mercado as well, who's pretty decent at getting forward. Yeah. Um, and the he's you know, he's not a natural offender, but he's a guy you know he's not going to get tired. You know he's going to be able to to get up and down the pitch the whole ninety minutes. And to be honest, if not him, who? Well, Milton Casco is the other one in the squad. Albeit yeah. rather surprisingly, <laughs> rather surprisingly, yeah. and supposedly the reason that Casco's in the squad as much as anything is because he can play either right back or left back. Surely uh, Casco's in the squad to make the to idea to put Acuna at left back doesn't seem so crazy. Indeed. It's like, oh, yeah. it's either him or Casco. That's no, fine. That as well. um, <laughs> he, he, he does like to get forward as well. I, I think from what I've read um, that San Paolo has decided that if he, if he wants to go with mm-hmm. two really attacking full-backs, then Casco will probably start at right-back ahead of Gabriel Mercado. Mm-hmm. With Mercado moving to centre-back, tomorrow's Wednesday's training sessions will obviously give us a bit more of an idea about whether that is what's being thought about. Um, and what are your thoughts? like Enzo Perez being mm-hmm. in the midfield because in recent weeks he's been getting forward really well for River mm-hmm. and that is precisely what we were saying last month they weren't doing enough of for a midfield for Argentina having a midfield runner who gets beyond Messi when Messi's got the ball gives him that passing option. Um, yeah. and, and he's been in good form. You know, I, I think that he deserves it as much as anybody mm-hmm. in, in the local league does. I'd agree. Uh, Both him and, uh, to give a little bit, bit of a Boca River balance on this, uh, Fernando Gago, mm. who's been very good for Boca. And he has, I'm, we I'm know still... on his track record, he does that job of getting the ball past the midfield to Messi. Yeah, I mean... With, with sometimes mixed results but I'm, I'm slightly unsure not that Gago doesn't deserve it for his level he's been playing really well but just again 
some of those midfields just sounded like they had one too many defensive midfielders in them for my liking. Mm-hmm. I, I would prefer to see more vertical runs from midfield, um, so as not to get flat, yeah. as it were. And Di Maria is in. He was in at least one of the teams that you just read out again. Yeah, he's in a couple, but mostly up front, I think, like quite a, quite an advanced position. I mean, we'll see, but his recent yeah. performances have not been good enough either. No. Um, one guy who is in form at the moment and could could well be in for a start is uh, Pablo Gomez, mm. who's been in fantastic form for Atalanta. He was the star of the show against Juventus the weekend. Might just tip the balance. Definitely, if we're looking at uh, midfielders in Europe's top five leagues, he's far and away the, the best Argentine out there at the moment. Yeah. And Eduardo Salvion might be coming into the midfield, possibly. Yeah, I can't see what Salvion really adds. No, like, he's kind of a striker, but not a midfielder, but not... Like... And, and apparently, I've, I've asked the question of um, a uh, friend of mine who lived in Lisbon for the best part of a decade, was a Benfica season ticket holder while he was there. No longer lives there, but does follow all of Benfica's games still. Um, and he's told me that, um, basically, that Salvion's form is... is He's not that good at the moment. He's like he's not bad. He's decent at Portuguese league level. But when I told him that he'd been called up for the Argentine national team, he was uh, my mate Steve was just astonished. <laughs> I can't believe he's anywhere near the Argentine national team. Yeah, um, we and I was probably... saying to him, well, you know, that's because you think of the Argentine national team as having these sort of Pablo Aymar at his peak mm-hmm. sort of Riquelme style number tens, and actually there aren't any of them now. No, it's, it's not even a Yes, let's say exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, we can probably say that Salvio isn't likely to to feature because of those four teams. He he appeared in half of them. Yeah. Let's say he he shared some pitch time with uh, Rigoni. Mm. It's an interesting possibility. Definitely someone who can break lines and and uh, make things interesting. Yeah. I think a lot's going to depend on how Peru come out to play. Peru is not naturally a defensive team. It's a team that play kind of wide and open with these guys like uh, Farfan mm. um, I can't remember the other winger but they've got another one who who likes to yeah, stretch yeah. who likes to stretch um, teams out and I remember they did it really well in the in the corresponding fixture, fixture in Lima um, which was 2-0 I believe after Argentina were trailing 2-0 possibly that sounds familiar yeah and they really gave um Gave Argentina a roast in there until they sort of got their act together late on. Um, possibly Edison Flores, but I think he's a newer person. Although I think Farfan is out, which is a big bonus for for Argentina. Shotun. Farfan's not on this squad list. No, he was injured. Now, yeah. um, it might have been Shotun. Shosemir Shotun. Well, Shotun normally plays a little bit deeper from yeah. what I remember. But he got forward uh, Christian, very well. Christian Cueva is very decent. In, Christian Cueva had a great game against Argentina last time. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, sorry, Fafan is there. He's, he's in the fourth with Pablo yeah. Barrero in the middle. And yeah, I can't see whoever this other bloke is there. So it's either no. going to be, I would guess Robbie Diaz is going to come in possibly on the right. Mm-hmm. Um, or Fafan moving to the right with Robbie Diaz. In the last time around it might even have been um, Alvin Kula. Hmm. The guy who played for Newell's, right? Yes, that was him. But I don't think he's there this time. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, as we say, training sessions on Wednesday will tell us a lot more as well. I'm, yeah. I'm going to bet that San Paolo is going to pick a lot of the players who aren't mentioned in either of those lists during tomorrow's training sessions. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. He does like to um, 
um, for to that end, if you're really interested uh, in this stuff, I am going to be, the reason we're recording on Tuesday this week is that I'm going to be on another podcast on Wednesday. Oh, really, Sam? Um, the Plus Five Four podcast, which is a, a podcast about Argentine life, and, or life in Argentina, mm-hmm. and just Argentine things rather than just football. Um, they are having me on tomorrow to concentrate on, on the national team and a little bit of league talk as well. Um, they always record on Wednesdays, whereas we're a little bit more flexible, so... I, I told them I'd come along. Um, so yeah, check that out on... Thir- I think it should be up on Thursday morning. So it should be up in, in time, hopefully, um, for you to check that out before the Argentina game, if you're interested enough. Um, well, what do you else? think about... Yeah. Go on. What about do you think about all this kind of rehearsing and switching around two days before a game? It's not not exactly the the strongest sign of, it's of strength not, from San Paolo. No, right? it's, it's not ideal, but then... He wants to try players out. He's only been the manager for a very short period of time, and it's international football. You don't get along with the players. No, this is um, it. So I think he's going to be seeing who can, which combinations best respond to his ideas, mm-hmm. um, in that relatively short time. Yeah. Um, I suspect that Mauro Riccardi is going to be getting a lot more playing time for the starters in tomorrow's training sessions. I'm sure Mian Don so, yeah. will because he's been called up. So why not? And Pablo yeah. Perez as well, who's, who's been Paris called up is there, yeah. in those squads. Um, Costa, um, yeah, a bit, yeah, precisely. So I mean, yeah, it's not ideal. You would like to be training with a, a fixed team, mm-hmm. but also you don't want to give anything away to your opponents. No, of course. You know, we're going to be looking at all the news reports yeah. that we're looking out for any clues as to what the team might be. Um, yeah, and, and you get the you feeling as who's going to react to the, the ideas. You get the feeling as well that San Paoli, even with this immense pressure to get a result on Thursday, you know the way this this guy's mind works. Some part of him's already looking past the qualifiers to Russia, right? And that's why he's trying these players. He's not a guy who's yeah. only going to think about the game ahead. He's already thinking about the World Cup, who's staying from this team, who's not staying. And definitely, you know, obviously we all want to win on Thursday. Uh, a failure to get a result would be, would be disastrous. But you can see the logic behind it, though. So many Argentine coaches have come in only to put out, put out the most immediate fire ends. Yeah. And then they only get a little moment's grace before the next one comes along. Uh, but he's also thinking about Quito as well. Um, oh, yeah, of course. And, you know, I, mean, I, I think we mentioned a couple of weeks ago or whenever the squad list came out that the, the two goalkeepers who aren't Sergio Romero, I can't remember who they are now. Um, Rulli and Guzman. Oh, Rulli has been picked, I think. I think Rulli, so, yeah. Oh, okay. No, in that case, I'll, I'll stop talking, because I, I seem to remember that he was thinking of um, of picking uh, a couple of guys who play in Mexico, because they're more used to playing at altitude, or at similar altitude to Quito. Well, Guzman plays in Mexico, so he would... Precisely, yeah. But I, I seem to remember that the other goalkeeper was going to be as well. But, it uh, could possibly be Marchesin. I won't... It could be Marchesin. I said Rulli out of habit, but... I will be open to the possibility I'm wrong. Let's have a look. Let's see who's right and who's wrong here. Because I like winning arguments. <laughs> I'm just doing this from Wikipedia, by the way, because it's going to be quicker than going to the Athens website and trying to navigate to the squad list. Probably more reliable too, to be honest. Indeed. Uh, the other goalkeeper is Marcusin. Yes. Yeah. So that was the reason. Um, obviously, Romero is used to playing at the mm-hmm. altitude of Manchester. Yes, uh, well, it's um, fairly high up in England if you look at the map. 
It is, yes, from, north, from the bottom upwards, yeah. Um, but the other two, Guzman and Marquesina, are both used to playing in, well, in fact, in Mexico City, which is at almost exactly the same altitude as Quito, so it's not sort of mega high, but it is obviously much higher than Buenos Aires. Um, and so, yeah, I think that he's picked them for that reason. Or that was what I've read when the squad list was announced. Yeah, it's um, feasible. And, yeah, the others, obviously, we should mention, I guess, Sergio Agüero's um, unfortunate... Uh, oh yeah, Christ. Exclusion because he apparently could have been in the running for a starting place um, yeah. in in this team, and I think rightly because he's proven at this level. I realise he would not necessarily have been a popular starter among many Argentina <laughs> fans, but I think that um, that he, he could have, uh, you know, he could have given the experience and the sort of cool head in this situation that they needed, and also somebody who knows how to play alongside Messi, um, and his. Uh, I mean, ultimately, right, the, the, the one piece of advice that we can all get from Sergio Aguero's story is wear a seatbelt because it saved his life, apparently. Yeah. Uh, it's why he's And never, ever go and see Maluma. No. Because oh, <laughs> bad things will happen. <laughs> Indeed. Um, apparently, Aguero's really, really uh, pissed Silly. off at, at not being able to come. He, he wanted mm. to come along and support the team, even though he knows he can't play, but he can't travel uh. because of his, his whatever he's got around his chest at the moment mm. as well. Um, Mm. So, yeah, unlucky Sergio, mm-hmm. if you're listening. I'm sure you are. Um, and, yeah, I mean, other players in the squad list who might be featuring in training tomorrow. I was surprised to see Mascherano getting into the starting lineup in mm. three of those four lineups that you read. Um, always in the, <laughs> always in defence, we Sorry, should mention. Well, I think we'll probably finish this now, actually. But, I mean, the, the others are going to be... Uh, Possibly Leandro Paredes, but really he's more of an option. Um, as you mentioned, Emiliano Rigoni, I, I think, should be given an opportunity, mm-hmm. um, at least in training, because he's been superb in the league. Um, and did you hear about Herman Pizzino this morning going to training? I did not. He, he got, he, he's one of the ones who did arrive this morning. He, he got off the plane. The AFA's training complex, for the benefit of listeners, is almost right next to the international airport it's, so you get on the motorway the motorway ends at the airport and just runs into Buenos Aires um, it was about four or five kilometres away something like yeah, that. It's, it's I think it might be closer than that yeah. even. but it, it, you pass it fairly soon after leaving the airport mm-hmm. and so Herman Petzela flew in um, got got on the motorway got immediately off the motorway to get to the AFA wandered up to the um, you know well drove up to the gate and was met with a hello who are you by the security guard <laughs> And he said, I'm Herman Petzela. And the guy goes, oh, okay, yeah, you're the under-20s. But Petzela, <laughs> for the record, is 26 years old. Um, and Petzela went, no, no, I've, I've been called up by, by Jorge Sampaoli. And the guy went, okay, um, I'm going to need to see a DNI, which, which is your Argentine national ID card. Um, and then took his DNI away to, to a room and talked with a few people. And then you had to wait around for a few minutes before being, yeah, okay, you can go in now. Um, because he didn't recognise him, which was embarrassing. <laughs> well, it should have. I hope it was embarrassing for the security guard. Yeah. It wasn't. It was no. embarrassing enough for Pesero, I'm sure. <laughs> no, what Argentine security guard like? I, I suspect he wasn't embarrassed at all. Mm. Anyway, on to some listeners' questions. The first of which is from Juan y Bruno Moreno, who asks, best goal assist rate and the defender with more clean sheets? To which my response was, I'm afraid you're going to have to give us that in long form, because I don't really know what you mean. Um, and we have not had any further reply from him. However, Dan did take the opportunity to uh, plug an article that you wrote, you know, which I shall now retweet from the Hand of Pod account. But if you want to tell us, 
what we are. Yeah, I assume that our um, our kind questioner was asking about goals and assists by Argentine players in and around their leagues. That would be the logical thing, right? Mm. He didn't give us a response, so I'm only guessing, but. Basically, um, I don't have the, the clean sheet information. All the goals and assists and key passes as well are in the article I wrote. So you can look on Hannah Pod's Twitter, Twitter feed. Just retweeted it. Um, some of the biggest takeaways, there are a lot of Argentine goals and very, very few assists. Hmm. I believe Papo Gomez with three or four assists is... The only one up there in about the top yeah, we, 20 we went through this in And aware of up there as well for I, I looked it up, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that's true. I, I, well, I won't say surprising because it was something that we suspected before compiling the numbers, but it, it was enlightening to see. And um, if you wonder why against Uruguay and Venezuela, Argentina's midfield didn't really have much kick going forwards. Uh, have a look at how many key passes Bilia and Banega averaged so far this year and it goes quite a long way to explaining why, hmm. why that went wrong. Well, thank you for that. I'm going to have a look at that myself later. Um, and Paul Richardson asks our only other question. Of I the think there's people. a couple down the bottom, aren't there? Are there? I think I saw a couple. That's all of the ones that have shown up in our, mention, in our notifications. These are all from last mm. week. Oh, I thought I saw a couple. Yeah. These are the only ones that are showing in notifications anyway, so we shall I'll have another look in a minute. See if refreshing the page makes a difference. Um, Dan Colosimon, Australian Dan. Tweets in to say, classic formation, me and you, Dan. So, thank you, Dan. It's true. It's true. We, we miss you. Please come back. Yes. Um, and Paul Richardson says, is the quality and depth of the national squad a problem with opposition teams just sitting and waiting to break the pressures on Messi? No, definitely. Messi, for as long as he's kind of been recognised as, as the best player in the world, let's say, uh, what a good seven years, eight years? Hmm. Uh, he's been expected to um, be the man who gets Argentina moving. A lot of the time he's done it um, with varying amounts of support from, from the people around him. Um, but you see, you see when, when Argentina played against Uruguay just a, a couple of weeks ago and against Venezuela, when the system breaks down and they don't, the other players don't really know what's going on, yeah. The tactic switches to, right, let's give it to Messi and see what he does. And, and obviously... There's, there's an awful lot of standing around. When and yeah, this is the worst thing. You give it to him and stand around and see what he does. There's very little kind of playing off him. Um, the reason for that is it's hard to put your finger on. Right? You think that having such a good player would only kind of galvanise you to kind of to go and do better and uh, and lift yourself, but it doesn't seem to work that much for for Argentina. It's no. it's a big it's a big mystery, really. I must say. Yeah, indeed, and it, it's it's also why often, particularly during these qualifiers, uh, it seemed like Messi's playing a different sport, mm-hmm. certainly a different match to to the rest of his teammates. That there is not enough mobility and there's too much of a willingness to say oh Lionel will sort it out for us um, so I no I don't think that the depth of, and, and the quality of, of the squad is a problem I think in fact in a way as we're saying with, with you know this lack of, of a classic number 10 or of a midfielder who's prepared to, to break the lines and, and be creative and get those runs in and give Messi a passing option and so on 
in a way, it's surprisingly the, the lack of quality mm-hmm. in certain areas. And also, you know, a fullback, it doesn't help as well when, you know, as you say, Marcos Acuna is an experienced, uh, he's, he's got some experience at left back, but for Ferro in, in the B. Um, he's a fantastic midfielder now. Um, and Gabriel Mercado being first choice right back with Milton Casco as, mm-hmm. as your backup, you're thinking, like, those, that's the best that the, the nation that once had Javier Sanetti this is playing, it, right? playing at yeah. left back because he was as good at left back as he was at right back, and he had another really good option at right back, can produce. Yeah, not very long. they're not Sorin and Exactly, Sorin at left back one day, and, and now you've, you've got, you know, you, you're looking at a converted midfielder essentially at left back against in a crucial World Cup mm. qualifier. Um, yeah, there's things like that. Think that people think of the squad as being absolutely rammed with talent all the way through, and the fact is, it isn't. It's very top heavy, um, and even that top heaviness now is starting to look a little bit more like well, they've got Lionel Messi and, and a lot of other sort of decent players. I'm not saying yeah. they're all awful. Obviously, I, I wouldn't get anywhere near the Argentine national team, um, but partly because I'm not Argentine, that doesn't help. Uh, but even if I was, I, I wouldn't be anywhere near the team. I'm not trying to say that I would be, but you know, it, it's not as strong as people perhaps get the impression that it is that's not to say they couldn't go a long way in the World Cup if they get there and, and San Paolo's ideas take hold mm-hmm. anybody could um, but no this is it and there's a knock on effect as well because uh, for a long time you've had a situation where the, the attack's been very strong and the defence has been very very um, very flimsy and what that's made a succession of Argentina coaches do is play this fairly weak defence but to compensate stick two um, midfield stoppers in front and that's been pretty non-negotiable for for Argentina since Maradona right Mm. Um, ever since Savela and Batista these guys came in that was from 2010 Um, Argentina have almost always played with a flat back four with the centre backs, you, the full backs, sorry, being converted centre backs and two defensive midfielders, fielders, Machirano and Bilia, Machirano and Banega. Banega obviously playing a little bit uh, freer, but he's still not exactly um, uh, a playmaker. And obviously, if you've got already seven of your players that have their primary duty to defend, it leaves you with just four to attack. And Argentina got away with it for a long time uh, because those four were very, very good. Talking about uh, Angel Di Maria at the top of his game, Messi, Aguero, Iwain, these kind of guys, especially in 2014, they were all playing fantastically. And uh, Savela, who um, was a very intelligent coach, made it work. But the second one of those four kind of drops off or things like work, you don't have the team behind to support it. So that goes a long way to explaining, I think, why kind of a similar team to one that which reached the World Cup final is now struggling to make the finals in itself because mm. it was never a fluid system. It was four very, very good players who compensated for seven who pretty much stay behind the ball yeah indeed um, we, we have one more question I remember I have refreshed the Twitter mentioned several times and 
couldn't find any. I think um, they got mixed in with some comments I've been getting from from that article I wrote. So I might yes. misplace the the origin of those those that's questions. What, that's, must, that must be what happens. Either that or Twitter's website's playing up. Uh, just blame Twitter if in doubt. Yeah. Um, the other question that we have had, however, to to rescue the day and ensure that we're not descending very abruptly, is a non-national team question. Mm. Um, but if I leave it until sort of two or three weeks' time when it's going to be more relevant, I'm going to forget about it, so I'm just going to ask it now. Yes. Um, it's from my mate Darren, who wrote to me this afternoon, uh, and among other things, sent me a question uh, for the podcast, which was, um, the new Copa Libertadores dates, obviously going to a year-round calendar from this year, uh, benefit the winner with regards to the team not being pillaged before the Club World Cup and still being on form for the Club World Cup, because the Club World Cup's going to be played just a couple of weeks after the Libertadores final. Mm-hmm. Um, he says it's a real shame for supporters though because they're only going to have three weeks to sort out a trip to Abu Dhabi uh, and then Darren says having been to before I say this I should say Darren isn't like absolutely loaded or anything he's, just, he's a pilot for British Airways so he gets to go whatever, wherever he wants whenever he wants pretty much uh, so he says having been to Japan for Santos against Barcelona Corinthians against Chelsea and Barcelona versus River all three took huge twenty to 40,000 fans compared with 200 Chelsea fans who went to see them play Corinthians. Um, and so he's saying it's going to be a, a pity that this time around they're not going to have as much time to, to sort it out. I suspect that they're still going to be going in quite big numbers because of what the Club World Cup means to South American supporters. Oh yeah, definitely. And we should also take into account that Argentines generally don't save money. So it doesn't make that much difference. Um, these guys, the river guys who went out in droves, uh, San Lorenzo when they went to Morocco, um, they did it all on credit cards. There's um, very good deals with um, airlines where you you know get twelve interest-free instalments and also and inflation means that inflation means you can't year, save in a year's yeah. time. Your twelfth interest-free instalment exactly. will be worth yeah. you know you'll be earning much more than you are now. So it's kind of like a proactive saving, right? You spend money to save money. Yeah. So anyway. because in a year that money will be worth less. So if you spend it, you save it and you pay less in twelve months when you finish paying for it. Something like that. Plus, you want to have having just bought a house. You want to have slightly. Better grasp of this done, surely. About exactly why you're saving money on it. I just know that I don't have to pay rent anymore, which <laughs> is great. So that that will save. Um, but yeah, obviously, uh, the trip to Japan or to Abu Dhabi or to Morocco, wherever they do the Club World Cup, is prohib- prohibitively expensive for South American fans. Mm. But they make it. They always seem to make it somehow, um, and I can't see that changing just merely for the fact that they've I, got less time to plan. I'm, I'm sure that it is going to affect uh, the numbers, but I'm equally sure that they're still going to be there in much larger numbers than their European counterparts. Oh yeah, that's a definite. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure if there is such a thing as saving, any river, river fan worth his salt is probably already put in a couple of pennies away or mm. making sure it's credit cards are clear for, for the trip, right? You would think so. Yeah. You would hope so. Uh, but thank you for bringing it up, Darren. It's a good it, point. It's, it's a good that. point. And it's also a point that, you know, the other points that Darren made, uh, uh, the sporting points about it, mm-hmm. as it were, were precisely what I was saying, you know, this time last year when we didn't have any clue that Commonwealth were actually mm-hmm. going to do this. Um, but why I've been saying for several years, I wish they would move the Libertadores to a year-round calendar. It would mean that the team would be on form and 
you know, would be able to hang on to players for another couple of weeks mm. after winning the Libertadores or whatever to play the Club World Cup. Um, but I hadn't thought, you know, he's quite right about the travelling fans and, mm. um, and about how much more of a faff it's going to make it for them. Um, there is no Mystic Sound this week. Because there's no league football. Well, there's no Super League this week. There will be lower division games, I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not going to predict anything. I'm We're also, not going to chance a hand on the international games? We are. So I'm going to play ah. some mystical theme music. And that will also give me an opportunity to count up, because um, I'm not sure who won out of me and Mystic Chris last week. So we'll be back in 30 seconds time. And Dan and I will then have a go at predicting. Normally we just do Argentina's games, but I think for fun... Let's try and just do all of the World Cup qualifiers. Only the South American ones um, that are to come. Not the European or African or North American uh, (laughs) or Asian ones. Because that would be a bit silly. Okay, last weekend, uh, Chris and I drew... 7-7. 7-7. Thrilling. Very respectable. A thrilling ding-dong battle um, in which we both ended up with exactly half of the matches correct. So well done, Chris. Good game. And we'll meet again later in the season for a rematch, I hope. Um, for the... Have you got the fixture list in front of you, Dan? I do. Yes. Good, right. In that case, let's go through and see which ones each of us are going for. Uh, you might hear some clicking in the background whilst this is happening. That's because I'm going to email myself predictions so that I can stick them up on the blog. Um, this was something I only just thought to do, so just give me a second while I find myself Okay. Uh, yes, we'll just do that now. Okay, so Bolivia versus Brazil. They are going to draw. Yeah, I was thinking of saying that as well. To make it interesting, <laughs> I will go for a Brazil victory. So, Dan says draw, and Sam says Brazil win. Venezuela versus Uruguay. A uh, Uruguay win. Yeah. So we're both going for an away win in that one. Colombia against Paraguay. Draw. Hmm. I think I think Colombia are going to scrape a victory. I agree that they've looked a little bit iffy and Paraguay have looked dangerous recently, but I think Colombia are going to find their way in this one. Chile versus Ecuador. Chile are going to win. I agree. I, I think they've been quite poor in these qualifiers, particularly at home, but I think they're going to find their feet. Um, and Argentina against Uru. Drum roll. Not too much, because... Argentina are going to scrape it by one goal. Mm. Yeah, I think Argentina will find a way to win as well. We've both just completely doomed Argentina now, you realise. Oh, um, completely. But, yeah, that seems um, fair enough. Um, good. Super. And then for the final round of fixtures, what do we think? Paraguay against Venezuela? <laughs> Um, Paraguay to win at home. Yeah, I think it's going to be a dead rubber. Campaign that Venezuela have had. I I feel fairly confident in agreeing with that one. Brazil against Chile. This could be a huge one for Argentina's hopes. (sighs) You've got to make Brazil favourites at home. I think with the form they've been in. 
I'm it's hard to see him not winning. I'm going to go for a draw. A draw doesn't do Chile any good, really, does it? No, indeed. But I think... Just... I, I, I think that Brazil are going to... Um, well, possibly, potentially, maybe, put out an experimental side, mm. given that they've won the group by, by a mile already. Um, and we'll just have their eye off the ball a bit. Uh, Ecuador against Argentina. They are going to... See an Argentina win. Wow. I'm going to go for a draw. I thought, I I, think. I thought I'd stick my neck out. And I, I'm going to go for a draw, which I think... Actually, I, I shouldn't do this without having the maths right in front no, of me. But no. I think that that, would, that that draw would secure Argentina's place. Uh, Peru versus Colombia. That's going to be a Peru win. Interesting. Yeah, I think, actually, yeah. No, I'll, I'll, I'll back that as well. And Uruguay against Bolivia. Has to be a Uruguay <laughs> win, doesn't it? I think so. Okay. Um, so, well, fingers crossed those, those predictions would see Argentina through. I think that they would put them into fourth place because mm-hmm. of the fact that we didn't go for all of those teams, um, the right teams winning on Thursday. Um, it is worth mentioning that Colombia, Paraguay, Chile, Ecuador and Argentina, Peru are all scheduled to kick off at the same time on Thursday. It's all at uh, half past eight Argentine time. Um, if you're in the UK, then that's half past midnight on Friday morning. Um, if you're in the States, it's half past seven Thursday evening uh, or Eastern time. And if you're anywhere else, then hopefully you can work out your time zone from there. Um, the other games for next Tuesday, the timetable has not been decided yet. It depends on how many teams are relying on how many other teams' results in the final round of games. And then as many matches as necessary will kick off at the same time as well. It could be all five of them, right? It, I think it could possibly. be, yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Um, mathematically speaking. Uh, so unfortunately, it, it's kind of a shame because it means that we're not going to have a whole sort of starting at four or five o'clock in the afternoon, no. going through till almost midnight. Just uh, <laughs> the, the sort of wonderful qualifying qualifying so far. Um, we will obviously be back next week. To I think what we'll do is not just review Argentina whether they have qualified or not, but review what's been a tremendously entertaining and open World Cup qualifying yeah, as a whole across the continent. Um, I think largely because an awful lot of the teams have looked quite shit throughout. That's not stopped it being entertaining, but the, the standard compared with what it was for the last couple of World Cups has plummeted, in my opinion. Um, but we will be back anyway to discuss that. <laughs> Please, as ever, share us on social media, uh, retweet us on Twitter, um, tell your friends about us. And thank you very much for listening for another week. We'll be back next week to, fingers crossed, touch wood touch our left testicle or breast or whatever's necessary as we do in Argentina Um, fingers crossed we will be um, talking about Argentina's glorious march Mm -hmm. to Russia Um, if not then we'll still be back anyway but we're not going to talk about the possibility of that we'll be crying over all the work we've lost for next June yeah we certainly bloody will be (laughs) thank you very much for listening and it's goodbye for now from English Dam goodbye and thank you for listening and from me goodbye and thank you for listening (laughs) 